Hello everyone, this is Bonnell with the J6 Insurrection Podcast. It has been a week approximately before I made my last session. And so this is going to be a week full of nonsense. And that really is what this is all boiling down to. It's amazing how you can watch different media and absorb different media from different sites, from different stations, from different whatever, and everybody has their own spin. But the the great thing about truth and facts is that eventually they kind of bubble to the top. So today there was a, a video of Adam Kissinger from Illinois, who is a representative from some district in Illinois. I think it's Northwest. I'm not exactly sure, but it's the state that I live in and I pay attention to it. And I really like the guy, you know, he's on the January 6th committee and he extended an olive branch when he gave his speech today. But unfortunately, he had to throw a dig, which is true, but at the same time is what is called a false equivalency. So he was saying that um, the Democrats were at fault for, you know, during his whole diatribe about what's wrong with um, where he works, um, which was largely uh, due to his party. Um, and that's why he is where he is. But besides that, the false equivalency was when he said that the Democratic Party backed GOP candidates um, that they knew were uh, poor candidates. That is what you call a false equivalency because it's like apples and oranges. What the GOP, the Grand Wizards, have done is pretty much burned down the House, the Capitol, and um, everyone in it, and then he's saying that the Democrats are partly responsible because um, they watched. So the last thing I'm going to say about Kinzinger from Illinois is that the guy was a military veteran, and to say that he didn't have an understanding of the oath of office that he took, and he is criticizing and condemning Trump's allies is um, is clear, and how Trump's allies can say that Kinzinger is wrong, and I'll throw Liz Cheney in there as um, an example, is is the antithesis of what the Constitution is supposed to be about, and it's alarming that the Democratic Party isn't able to make that argument, which in itself is astounding because the media has taken the position that Trump is still a viable candidate and they're running with that story, right? It's clickbait failing to realize that this propaganda is bad. And I was reminded this morning about how um, Tucker Carlson goes on his propaganda machine and 
um, puppets what Vladimir Putin is doing. And then you have our military who is on the front lines of this fight um, doing everything they can to support it. And since I'm talking about the military, I'm going to bring up Marsha Blackburn again. And um, my plea to the President of the United States to rethink this mandate of vaccines. It's wrong. And I don't know how they square that, but obviously the, the bill had to pass. So that mandate and even military leaders and leaders in general are saying that the troops need vaccines, period. And why we're going to change now? Well, because you have a GOP party that is bringing their religious nonsense and saying that people should have a choice. No, that's not how this fucking shit works. And they're the ones who are being put to the burner saying that they don't understand the rules. And this is just another example of them chipping away at what is supposed to be the standard. And if they don't understand that, then how on earth can we fight them if we're not willing to accept the obvious, which is the rules and regulations as they're set forth? That's why you have the Department of Defense, um, Secretary of Defense coming out and saying, no, we need this because the commanders are saying that the troops need to be ready. Da, da, da. And then you have Marsha Blackburn with her home economics degree saying that they should have their choice. But really, this is a way for them to infiltrate their nonsense into a group, the military, um, to bend them at will. See, if they're not prepared, then there's their strategy. They won because they're not ready to, to support and defend. It's genius. It's diabolical, and it's genius in its, in its same vein. I'm shocked that people aren't seeing that. So... Moving on from uh, Kinzinger, you know, Godspeed, that's all I have to say to you. And, you know, you could have went out, but no, you had to throw your dig in there. I get it. You're right. But that's a false equivalency. That's all I'm going to say on that. So good luck. Um, getting back to some of the latest news and what is happening with Trump's NFT. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's called Idiocracy, and it was hysterical. I don't know how old it is, but it basically, um, there was a, um, an army guy who was sent into the future, and he was sent into the future as an army guy to, I don't know why he was sent into the future, but in the future, um, the president was a, um, a wrestler, and he pretty much is doing what Trump is doing right now by disgracing the office by um, peddling and marketing in um, propaganda. And the whole movie is based on that, that people in the future didn't know their ass from a hole in the ground. And it really is um, poignant today because that's what's happening with the GOP, right? Up is down, left is right. So it's if you've never seen the movie, I recommend it because you'll be able to put the two and two together. And, you know, they um, they think Gatorade is good for uh, watering your lawns because they were told that that's what people liked. 
but they didn't have the leadership quality to say, no, you can't water your lawn with Gatorade because it'll kill it. So basically the GOP is doing the exact same thing today by telling their followers that up is down and left is right. And I mean, it's a perfect example. Okay. So also in this movie, Idiocracy, they would, you know, they would meet like the Senate and the House does in the future, but instead they would spar in a pit sort of like gladiators did in Roman times. And that was the future, um, you know, like the thousand years in the future or something. So that pretty much they were foreshadowing where we kind of are today because of um, people don't know how to follow rules. So, you know, it's kind of playing out um, right now in real time with people trying to um, draw blood. So a judge recently said that this was a coup um, in search of a legal theory. And I mentioned earlier about where this idea came up. And it came up from Energy Secretary Rick Perry and Trump's son, Bucktooth Donald Trump Jr., each texted Meadows on November 4th and 5th with ideas for overturning the election. See, they always had an idea. People have been saying since 2016 that Dum Dum would never give up the reins, and they were right. You know, it's like he'll chew off his own arm. So on November 4th and 5th, Perry and Bucktooth Trump Jr. were telling Daddy that this was a idea, and that was November. So, you know, it took him a, f- a little few weeks to kind of come up with, a, you know, a new plan. And then Perry introduces Trump to Eastman. And then Eastman comes up with the murder-suicide memo, um, you know, making him the acting attorney general. I mean, it was, there was a lot going on. And this was just another piece of the puzzle to... Um, to thwart the election. So at 3.45 p.m., Trump campaign spokesman Jason Miller suggested to Meadows and Trump via aide Dan Scavino that Trump should tweet, call me crazy, but ideas for two tweets from um, the President of the United States. One, bad apples likely Antifa or other crazed leftist infiltrated today's peaceful protest over the fraudulent vote count. Violence is never, I mean, this is, these were just excuses. Number two, the fake news media who encouraged the summer violent radical. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. This was their um, defense um, after Dum Dum sat for three hours uh, in the Oval Office doing nothing when his capital was being burned down by his allies. You know, it's funny how people are trying to understand what he did when his entourage was trying to get him away from the Capitol. And of course, you know, there are reports saying that he lunged for the driver. Of course, of course he did. He needed to be where he was supposed to be. And I think the question uh, to Trump, and this would be a good question to ask in his interrogation, is where was he going? Why did he, because he said, we're going. So where was he going to go? Where, what's, what was the plan? 
What was he going to do? Why was he going there? You don't say you're going somewhere if you're not going to go with a with a plan and a strategy. So right there, he's he's admitted to it. Okay. So my final point about the movie Idiocracy is that um, this thing we call democracy is not um, mutually exclusive. And currently we have one party that is hell-bent on destroying what the other party is trying to support. And it's as obvious as the nose on our face uh, because we have a, a party the Grand Wizards of the Grand Old Party that essentially want to uh, have free reign. Uh, I mean, it's obvious. The people who are put into position, I mean, you can just look at the lineup. I mean, it's a cast of clowns. And so let's get to the number one clown of them all, um, Kevin McCarthy who was born in France, so some can make the argument that since he was born in France, regardless if it was on a military base, it's still French soil, um, he can't be the Speaker of the House because in order to be the President, and if anything happened to the President or the Vice President, he would essentially be the next in line. But he can't because he was not born here, and that's a constitutional requirement. So um, his hopes of ever becoming a speaker are uh, nil, right? So speaking of morons, uh, let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, or MTG, which really should be uh, pronounced as more Trump garbage, right? I love the way they say um, MTG and BJL and SPJ and everyone's initial. I've been doing this my whole lifetime because I think names are silly. You could just get to the point. But MTG, more Trump garbage, you know, she's out there. And how she got to where she is is questionable. I think people need to do some more digging about her past because several years ago she was nothing more than a Facebook troll, right? Screaming in the halls of Congress for um, Cortez, or whatever her name is. Um, she's some New York or New Jersey senator. I can't remember her name. She's popular. I don't pay attention to that that part of the world. But she was outside her office screaming at her. I mean, she wasn't even in office at that time. And she was like a nut screaming outside, a troll. And now she's on stage um, talking about more nonsense and how... Uh, people should go to TJ, or I'm sorry, Target and uh, some other store to buy butt plugs and vibrators, okay? This is where they are, the GOP. So idiocracy at its finest. You have morons who don't have a brain in their head who are put into leadership positions, and now we're kind of we're bearing the brunt of it, right? This is the result of what they have created, which is very frightening. So moving on from these clowns, I wanted to talk about um, two congressmen, uh, Brian Babin, and there was two, Louis Gohmert, both of Texas, 
and people are talking about a meeting that happened in the Oval Office in December. is actually December 21st. I've talked about it before, and they were um, there. They were there to meet, and there were quite a few uh, traders there. And I'm going to talk about their names in one second, but I want to talk about why they were there. They were there on December 21st, 2020, uh, to discuss the murder-suicide memo, which John Eastman created. And it was the uh, fantasy that the legislator um, could uh, decide the election. And then, you know, fake electors and all the people that sent in fake electors were at this meeting. So it was a coordinated effort. And it's funny because all the evidence is out there. You just have to kind of put it together. I mean, if you look at the dates, December 20th, 21st, obviously that was, um, that meeting was put into place so that they can discuss their strategy. And then you hear about how um, Trump Jr. and some of his colleagues were the people who were, uh, you know, in Trump's ear. And they were saying that they can get away with this basically. So you have U.S. Representative Stephanie Murphy of Florida, a committee member who helped lead Tuesday's hearing. John Eastman, Gomert, Babin, Harris, Gates, Biggs, Gosar, Jordan, Perry, and then, of course, MTG, more Trump garbage. They were all there on December 21st, 2020, to discuss the murder-suicide memo. And Pat Cipollone can back that up, because he was there as well. But I think that he wanted to be there, but then they threw him out. or There was some talk about that, but of course he couldn't, because he was being gagged by Dum Dum. He was saying, no, you know, presidential authority, he can't talk and, you know, whatever. So he couldn't say a thing. But then you hear about it, you know, kind of, we had bits and pieces of what was going on during those days. And what we really need is a timeline to understand that all these people were coordinating uh, through back channels, signal, that application that I guess it was deleting their text and you know, so the funny thing about this is that there is so much evidence that for your normal American bystander civilian, you know, it's almost impossible to absorb it. That's why there are litigation databases to manage cases because there's so much information that has to be tracked that it's almost near impossible to understand it as a, just a regular civilian because you have the media who, you know, every one of them has their own interest. So then you have people who are kind of absorbing fake news, real news, kind of fake. I mean, it's just, it's sad, but it is true. So this meeting on December 21st was where they patched this up, but it really was put into action by Trump's son, Trump Jr. And this the frightening thing about that is that he was 
getting a lot of his nonsense from his son. And there was some other person that was kind of involved. And of course, you know, he's here. Oh, Kevin McCarthy was also involved because, you know, he's the, the conduit between um, Mark Meadows, you know, White House chief of staff. And then, you know, they're all kind of working together. You have the Freedom Caucus. Um, and then you can just read the latest news about what's going on with them. Brett Kavanaugh parting with Matt Gates, who is a, a known insurrectionist and traitor. So, you know, it all stinks because it does. And it stinks of um, treasonous behavior. And we're supposed to sit back and take it. And the funny part is that I kind of think of this like being raped, like a person who's been raped having to watch their rapist um, laugh at them in the media. I know people are going to say, oh, I can't believe he said that. It's like being raped. Well, being raped is being violated. And however you want to say it, emotionally, physically, the emotional part is the worst part of the rape. And, you know, to clear something up that I said earlier about Kevin McCarthy was born in France. I've always mistaken the two, and I'm sure there's a reason for that. Mark Meadows was the one who was born in France. Kevin McCarthy is the fool that says he has a bachelor's degree from the University of South Florida when really he only has an associate's degree. I knew there was some, you know, character flaw for them both and that and I always I've always mistaken the two I don't know why you know two dumb assholes I could care less for them but I mistake them because they look kind of the same so you know since it is the end of the year I want to kind of talk about um what has happened over the year because we've kind of been living with this um, rape for a while. And, you know, the thing about everything that's going on with J6 and, you know, the electors and Dum Dum, and uh, we forget that there was a pandemic, a pandemic, and we're still kind of living through it. And I commented on Dr. Fauci because for whatever reason, people go after him, and I'll never understand that. But, um, you know, the guy is a, a scholar and a gentleman, and I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, your opinions are wrong, and um, your information is skewed. So uh, kudos to Dr. Fauci. So um, an oldie but a goodie is when all of this pandemic started. So you have to go back to December, January. So December 2019, January 2020, the pandemic was happening, but it was being downplayed by the media for whatever reason. I mean, if you didn't watch the news, of course, you didn't know what was going on. China in 2019, December was building hospitals by, you know, in a week. And then you had the politics creep in. And I needed to go back because we knew about the pandemic in January, early January. I know the military knew January, the first week of January, they knew they were trying to get the president to do something because essentially it is his job. It's his cabinet's job to 
um, understand what is happening and, and the threat that it is to the U.S. So on January 28th, now remember, the military knew the first week of January. I know they knew. I know they knew. Um, but it wasn't being um, broadcast. Who knows why? But it wasn't. So on January 28, 2020, this was the first four weeks of the pandemic, the National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien told Trump, this will be the biggest national security threat you face in your presidency. Who knows what he did with that information because the president didn't read. It's obvious he didn't, kind of like King George II and, you know, September 11th. So he knew, they knew why this was downplayed, um, we'll never know. But Trump, at a Michigan campaign rally on January 30th, so two days later, he painted a very different picture. He said, quote, We think we have it very well under control. We have very little problem in this country at this moment. Five people, and those people are all recuperating successfully. But we're working very closely with China and other countries, and we think it's going to have a good ending for us. That I can assure you. Okay? So, wrong again. And, you know, the, the scary thing is that the reason that they were discounting um, offices that are put into place to save our democracy and our country, um, he's on the back end um, opposing them. And you can look at any of his quotes and see it. And the strange thing is that when you are being raped continuously, eventually you're going to give in. So, you know, it's kind of like they break your spirit. And this is what has happened with this 45th administration because of things like this, the pandemic. And it could have been very different. Million dead. Of course, it could have been less. It could have been no more. Who knows? My point is, is that his security advisors were telling him the first month that the pandemic was going, was spiraling out of control because China, the Communist Party, was building hospitals because their fucking people were dying. So how dumb-dumb didn't understand that that pandemic was already here because it was. It was already here, and I know. First week of January, it was here. The military knew. They told him he did nothing. So you want to talk about a strategy? A strategy to do what? To dismantle the very government. And you can thank Bannon, Perry, Meadows. I mean, I can just keep going on and on and on. And then I just read the other day about how January 6th committee is going to make referrals for the senators and representatives who um, over 100, 150, 170, I don't know, numbers change every time that um, they uh, disagreed with Joe Biden being the fair, fair, fairly elected president. 
they're traitors, they're treasonous, and things must happen. 14th Amendment, Section 3. I keep saying it. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But in order for this country to be able to get back on track, you have to remove the cancer. And I'm not saying that they get um, a letter in the mail saying that they've been bad boys and now they have to, um, you know, sit. That can't happen. They have to be held accountable, dereliction of duty, um, and being a traitor. I mean, I love the way the media, you know, they're talking about candidates and Trump, you know, how is he going to be a candidate with 30%? That's wrong. That's not the news. The news is we have a ex-president, twice impeached president, who's a traitor and a, um, a traitor. There's another way to put it. Okay, so to follow up on some of the latest January 6th insurrectionist um, arrest, on Monday, um, four more members of the Oath Keepers uh, to the leader, Stuart Rhodes, um, a second seditious conspiracy trial telling jurors that each one was in direct contact with Rhodes and his calls for an armed civil war to keep Donald Trump in power. So that was on Monday. And Scott Weinberg, for the insurrection of states, um, that the Oath Keepers was headed by an incompetent and manipulative right-wing televangelist, right, who lives off members' $50 dues and sought to ride in Trump's wake to get as much publicity as he could. He also says that, quote, this was not some highly organized group. It was really a bunch of people that were out of shape, overweight, elderly, and who wanted to play military. This is what Weinberg said. Well, he was right on a lot of those things, um, one being that they were playing military, because that's really what they were doing. And the latest, latest is the person by the name of Douglas Jensen, who prosecutors say was one of the first 10 insurrectionists to enter the Capitol building during the attack. I'm sure if you were to see him, you would remember him. He was that fucking asshole with a beard and he had like some sort of rock and roll t-shirt on. He's like challenging and, you know, um, standing his ground against the Capitol on their property. Um, and He's going to jail for five years. Douglas Jensen, um, (laughs) the judge said, you, by your own actions, put yourself at the forefront of that mob. And he also said, we cannot, as a country, have what happened on January 6th ever happen again. So, even the judge is chastising him for being an insurrectionist. So why is the GOP able to hold rallies for them, raising money for these traitors? See, there's the disconnect. They're trying to square that circle. And then we. the problem is that as the, uh, the people who've been raped by these people, um, we're having to sit back and watch them support the rapists. Right. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene going out and saying that she's going to, 
you know, the next time they do this, she's going to have guns and they're going to succeed her and Bannon, right? So she's an elected official. She can't, she's not, her oath says that she can't say that. So why are you allowing her to say it? And there's your breakdown of leadership, right? Because leadership is supposed to say, no, you crazy hoe, you're not supposed to say that because you're inciting uh, violence, right? And there lies the conundrum, incitation. They they don't know the error of their ways. I don't know if that's a word, but they do that. They, they do nothing but incite. And that's why Nancy Pelosi's husband was almost killed because they incite it so they get their people riled up and then the next thing you know, they're running around beating people in the head. So that is the latest on the arrest. And, you know, there's just, it's just going to keep happening. I mean, it's just, a, you know, as they go through the court system, they're kind of just going to jail. And, and you know, they're kind of hopefully working their way up. But they need to work their way. And I love the way they say that they're going to, um, you know, um, that the senators and the representatives who were involved in the insurrection that they're going to get and they're going to get um, submitted to the ethics committee. We're past that. We're, it's way past that. Meaning, they things must happen. They need to be held accountable and they need to be removed from where they are. I don't know who's going to take their place, but according to rules and regulations and the 14th Amendment, they should have been gone a long time ago. So when people say that the DOJ is moving slow, I mean, it really is, uh, it's past um, ridiculous. So I want to um, give a shout out to one of my favorite representatives, Senator Ra or Representative Raskin from the state of Maryland, he said that Trump attempted to vaporize the election. And that's really what he did, vaporized it. And we're all kind of looking back and kind of not understanding what's going on and why this was allowed and why it is continually being allowed. That really is the crime here. So it was described as the worst monsters of the last century took their constitutional oath and vaporized it. I'm going to use that in a different way because that really is what's happened. And the GOP, they have armed insurrectionists in their midst, on the floors of Congress still, and there's over 40 of them still there. Either they were reelected or they just kind of rolled back into their old role. And my question is, how do they, how do they show their face? I mean, honestly, and you have famous attorneys, famous attorney generals throughout the country are trying to make the case, the prerequisite to charge is that you believe the person is guilty of the crime. Leadership worries about public trust in Americans' opinions about persecuting a president for his actions. But the actions is the problem. The founders anticipated this, but the red hats, of course, call foul. In this unprecedented time requires clear-mindedness on who drew first blood, the GOP did, and how the constitutional defenders, J6, are being handicapped by blatant disregard for the oath of office, regardless of the details.
At no point did anyone say that they were going to attack the Capitol, Halim told jurors. There was no unity of purpose. Um, when I talk about monsters, I'm talking about um, the attorneys who are supporting the insurrectionists, you know, trying to say that, oh, they were just there, you know, as a peaceful protest and, you know, it's their right to do that or they were just on a tour. No, they were there to um, disrupt and dismantle and hang. And the problem that everyone is having is that we're watching it go down without any accountability. So the assistant U.S. attorney, Troy Edwards, said in an open, opening statement that on January 6th, the defendants accepted Rhodes' invitation to sedition and perverted the constitutional order by trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power by force for the first time in our country's history. Wow. So, with that, I am going to wrap things up with... Um, I don't know how I want to wrap things up anymore. You know, it's the end of the year and everyone is kind of feeling it too. You know, it's so much fucking pressure and and it's palpable. It really is. And I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that the people who were reelected or the people who were elected to um, to steer the ship correctly are leaving. And it really, you know, it's like, it, how do people um, feel about that? I don't know if that's a question, maybe a rhetorical one, but I'm going to leave it with this. Um, I was reminded uh, this week that Trump said he was being sarcastic when he said to use bleach in some way to get rid of COVID, Right. And he said he was being sarcastic. And then MTG, more Trump garbage, Marjorie, said that she was being sarcastic when she said that, you know, the next time um, an insurrection happens, she's going to have weapons. So she said she was being sarcastic. Problem number one, they don't know the meaning of the word sarcastic. Number two, believe a person when they tell you the first time. That's exactly what they mean. So I'm going to let you go, and I'm probably going to jump on later, um, but you have a wonderful day. Oh, and it's Friday. Have a great day. Bye-bye.